0: We're going to be in Mark's Gospel again this morning. So, if you don't mind, if you have a Bible, open it up. Uh, We're in Mark's Gospel again, not from last week, but from last month. That's when I was here. So, I don't know what all you guys have been listening to, but um, I'm happy to be in Mark's Gospel again. We're going to be uh, in chapter 4, verses 21 through 34. Chapter 4, verses 21 through 34. starting with a lamp under the basket. Um, These are the very words of Jesus. Hear the word of the Lord. And he said to them, a lamp is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand. For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has, has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear, with the measure that you use it, it will be measured to you. And still more will be added to you. For those, um, f- for to those who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And he said, The kingdom of God, as if uh, a man should scatter seed on the ground, he sleeps and he rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how the earth produces it, Itself first the blade, then the ear, and then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe at once, he puts in the sickle because a harvest has come. And he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when it's sown on the ground, is the smallest of all of the seeds on the earth, yet... When it is sown and grows up, becomes larger than all of the garden plants, puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can come and make nests in its shade. With many, much, with many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. That is the word of the Lord. Will you guys pray with me? Ah. Oh. Father God, we just um, are grateful to be able to come and gather together this morning as the church. um, We just acknowledge not just us here, but the church all over the world this morning as they gather to proclaim the good news, to proclaim uh, what you have done, to take a bunch of rebels and make us into your kids, that you are actively, even right now, rescuing the world one person at a time and that we might, in some way, be able to, to partner with you, Lord, in the work that you're doing is, is so incredibly gracious and kind of you, Lord. We're good. We're so glad, Lord, that you are the one who always does what is good and right and true, that you are holy and perfect and just, and that you are powerful, but you are full of compassion and you're merciful. We ask as we we open your word this morning, Lord, that we would be taught by your Holy Spirit. That you would take these very words breathed out by you. And that you would speak to every one of our hearts, Lord, that we would be taught by God this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen? Amen. 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 All right. So, um, we're in Mark's gospel, as I said. Uh, We were in... uh, Mark's gospel the last time we were here. And I mentioned, I made mention that in Mark's gospel, um, it's about the Son of God. So it's about encountering the real Jesus. So I want to ask the question, where can you encounter the real Jesus? I think it's a good question. There's a lot of different places where you may hear about Jesus, um, one of the girls at, at, uh, at Grace Kitchen, she said, oh, I was watching a very interesting documentary on um, the Discovery Channel uh, with Morgan Freeman talking about God. And, and, and I thought, well, Morgan Freeman is an actor, <laughs> right? He pretends to be other people for a living, um, probably not a great theologian. I think if you're, if you're listening to hear or to find the real Jesus, you're probably not going to find him on TV, Uh, I think where you will find and encounter the real Jesus is in the scriptures, right? It's in the Gospels. Uh, Potentially, every other place could be misleading. But if you're hearing the God's Word, you have the opportunity to actually meet God. And that's why we're here this morning. And that's also why Jesus says, be careful about what you hear. So my point is this. Uh, I hope that we encounter the real Jesus this morning as we look at this gospel. One author uh, in a commentary said this um, about everything up to chapter four of the gospel of Mark. He said, to uh, get anywhere near the action of the gospel is to be fascinated and challenged by it. To get anywhere near the action of this gospel is, is to be drawn in, to be fascinated by it, and then to be challenged by it. We need to be, we have to be challenged by Jesus. Okay, so often in our culture, um, we can maybe hear the words of Jesus. Oftentimes the words of Jesus are difficult words. And it is as if we have the red pen in our hand and we can just begin to omit The things where Jesus is pressing on us, and we just begin to like circle them or line them through. And um, anything that would uh, challenge us or might uh, become inconvenient to our way of of life, we just kind of want to remove those things. But if you do that and you begin to omit, the words of Jesus here and there well then you end up not following Jesus but just a glorified version of yourself right and then you end up with a Jesus who no longer is actually challenging you and he's just you've just you've just made him into just a little more better version of yourself and so you're not actually following Jesus at that point you're following a little better version of yourself so we come to Jesus, the real Jesus, we meet him here in the Gospels, and when we do, we are going to be challenged by his words, and we will be changed by him as we encounter him. Amen? Amen. Okay. So what we're looking at today is a bit of a paradox. Um, the words of Jesus are intended to be clear, but as we look at what he's saying here, oftentimes It doesn't seem that clear at first, and we can kind of walk away, scratching our heads, maybe wondering, what is it exactly Jesus is saying to us here? So go ahead and turn your attention, starting in verse 21. Jesus is referring to himself as a lamp. Jesus is referring to himself as a lamp. He says, is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come into the light. So Jesus here is playing a little game of hide and seek with us. Okay? One hand, Jesus is saying, I'm like a lamp. I illuminate. I'm the one who holds all the knowledge, and I bring light to it. He's revealing. But then in verse 11... We notice he says that the purpose of a parable is so that people might see but not perceive, and hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And so this shows us why Jesus teaches in parables. He wants us to dig, He wants us to work at this, to knock, to seek to be drawn in to investigate what is it that Jesus is really talking about here? And at first glance, have you ever, some of you guys, maybe not, I'm not trying to pull your guy card, but maybe have you ever done a needlepoint? Guys, probably not. But in third grade, I did one. And it was Mrs. Church's, Mrs. Church was her name, third grade. And they gave us all a needlepoint to do. And it was a Christmas tree. And there's a painted Christmas tree on there, and it's just kind of like color by number, but you're using yarn, and you're going through. And so a parable is like the back of a needlepoint. It's just a big mess of knots. And it's only when you turn it around that you see it clearly. And that's kind of what's going up here, uh, with going on here with this. Uh, if Jesus just came and he summed up the kingdom of God in a sentence you would miss it. Easy come, like easy go. So he's wanting us to be invited in to the story. So when you see a parable, think of that as an invitation that Jesus is saying, come a little closer. Come and study, come and look, come and dig. Find out what it is that I'm actually saying so that we would wrestle with it. And then he illuminates it to us. So back in chapter 1, Jesus first comes onto the scene in the Gospel of Mark, and he says that he's preaching the kingdom of God, repent, and believe the Gospel. And then, after that, it's just Jesus on the move. And he's just healing from going from town to town. It's just Jesus on the move, as you notice in Mark. Everything's happening immediately as he just moves through the Gospel. And that's the way it is until you come to this right here today, this teaching. And Jesus is teaching about the kingdom of God. And so we should ask the question, what is the kingdom of God? It's interesting, isn't it? It's a little bit nebulous. It's a little bit kind of abstract. How do you sum it up in a sentence, the kingdom of of God? It's not like I'm packing my bags and I'm gonna go on a trip to the kingdom of God. It's not a place you can go to the kingdom of god is is like the the times and the people and the places in which god is reigning on heaven as it is in earth the kingdom of heaven is where god is is breaking in to our reality like christmas is a picture of the kingdom of heaven The incarnation, where the eternal living Word of God takes on flesh. He's incarnate. And then heaven, the kingdom of heaven, literally breaks in as Jesus comes on the scene. So, how do you sum all that up in a sentence? Well, it's a really good question because it's a question that Jesus asks in verse 30. If you want to take a look, he says, With what can we compare? the kingdom of heaven, or what parable shall we use for it? And then he proceeds to tell a story and invites you in to participate. He's inviting you in that we might dig and we might understand. And then in the end, it says this. This is the way Jesus always taught. And then in verse 34, it says, he did not speak to them without a parable. But privately, to his own disciples, he explains everything. That is a significant statement. And who is the them? And I talked a little bit about it last month when I was here. There's this, the usual like characters of the gospel that are just always kind of there. And this them was talking about the crowds. Right? The crowds are always there. They're always around Jesus. They're always just kind of in the way. But the crowds are never digging. They're just always nameless, faceless people. You don't ever know who they are, these crowds of people. They're just always kind of there and around. And then there's always one person within that crowd who's going to leave the crowd. They're going to come and find Jesus. Usually they're going to fall on their face before him. And then they're going to have an encounter with Jesus and they're going to be changed He's going to tell them what they need, but Jesus is always going to give them far more than they thought that they were going to get. So that's who he's talking about them. These nameless, faceless people. To them, he only spoke in parables, but to his disciples in private, he explains everything. It's a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. The key is he explains everything to his disciples. The Greek word explains means untied. Like without Jesus' idea of the kingdom is going to be all knotted up. But then he explains or he unties it for them. He unties it for you. A personal relationship with Jesus is the key to understanding the Bible. Spending time with him. You can't really have a relationship with someone that you never spend any time with. You can't really have a relationship with someone you don't ever really speak to very often. On top of that, without a relationship with Jesus, there is no understanding. This whole idea of the kingdom just becomes like the backside of a needlepoint, just a mess of knots. So, I can't make this perfectly, perfectly clear, but I'm going to try to unpack these three parables for us as best I can. So turn your attention to verse 24, if you would. Jesus says, pay attention, Scott. Like this is when you were telling everybody, hey, listen to the words of this song. This song is very important. Just listen. That's what Jesus is saying here, okay? He's going like this, church, look here. This is very, very important. I need you to really listen to me right now. Listen to the words of Jesus. Wrestle with what I'm saying. Literally, what he's saying is to the measure that you use this, it will be measured back to you. To the measure that you have used what you have learned from Christ, it will be measured back to you. In other words, to the extent that you give out what you have received, from Christ, more will be given to you. This is a rule of the kingdom of God. The rule of the, of the world is me first, give me mine. And the rule of the kingdom is others, others. The kingdom rule is the more you measure out what you have received, the more you will receive so that you can give out more, so that you can receive more so that you can give out more, so that you can receive more. But if you don't measure out what you have received, he goes on to say, and this would be a difficult word of Christ, even what you have, you will lose. Give out what you have received, and you will receive more. Hold on to what you have received, and you will lose even what you have. Now, unfortunately... The first thing that we think about when we hear this oftentimes is money. But he's not talking about money necessarily. Maybe, some of it. Because there's definitely like strings from your heart to your wallet, clearly. But here, he's talking about kingdom living. Living for the kingdom of God here on earth. Like, through your life and what you do and how you live... The kingdom of God is breaking in through you as you engage a broken world that's all around us. Do you see your time as a gift from God to be given away? Your time. Oftentimes we guard our time, don't we? We just guard our time because it's our time. And so we guard our time like crazy. Because often when we do this, we actually miss out on what God has for us because somehow God's timing doesn't fit into your calendar or something or God's timing doesn't fit into your schedule but what about your energy what about your knowledge what about your creativity what about your relationships what about your resources are those gifts from God to be measured out This is the way of the kingdom of God. Give away what God has given to you and he will give you more so that you can give it away so that he can give you more so that you can give it away so that he can give you more. You scatter it, he says, like seeds. You're just going to throw it on the ground. You spend your life seeking personal fulfillment. You will never be fulfilled. You'll never be fulfilled. But if you spend your life investing in the fulfillment of other people, you will be fulfilled. You will find fulfillment for yourself. This is a law of the kingdom of God. You can have the richest life you could possibly ever even imagine by giving your life away for others. In Matthew 16 and in Luke 9, Jesus tells us, if you try to save your life, you will surely lose it but if you lose your life for me you will be saved it's about giving your life away sowing it and spending it and investing in other people dr keller calls this the upside down kingdom if you want to be in the kingdom you need to be the servant of all if you would go ahead and turn with me if you want to proverbs chapter 11 verse 24 Proverbs 11:24 Proverbs eleven twenty four says, "One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. One gives freely that yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he has, um, what he should give, and only suffers want. Whoever brings blessings will be enriched. The one who waters will himself be watered." Um, it, You ever, I mean, you guys have probably heard this before, but remember, there was this, I don't know where I heard it, but it was about John D. Rockefeller, and he was like the richest man on the planet at one point, I guess, and they asked him, how much is enough? And he said, just a little more. Just a little more, right? If you're just seeking the fulfillment of satisfying yourself, you'll never be satisfied. But God says, if you actually give your life away, you find fulfillment. Have you guys ever experienced that in your own life? When you give your life away for the benefit of other people, you find all of a sudden inside, like, something's right inside of me. Like, there's this secret blessing that comes from Christ that you only experience when you give your life away for the benefit of other people and the kingdom of God. It's pretty amazing. All right, so um, now let's... uh, press on that for a moment and think about it the more that you're concerned with your own needs just kind of watering yourself does that describe you or do you concern yourself with watering and taking care of the needs of others I just tell you in my own life I don't do this perfectly I I don't Um, or I can't even say even nearly always are my the intentions of my heart always correct they're just, they're not. I'm a sinner. So I'm plagued by this. I'm selfish and self-centered often. And this is just part of what it means. God is slowly changing me, but it's true. Uh, but when I do take the time to like prepare my heart on the way home from work, let's say. Let's say it's been a long day. You've worked hard or whatever, and you're tired. On the ride home, um, like what's the most important part of my day? Is it like from five to nine while I'm at work? Or is it from, uh, I mean, nine to five or five to nine? Like when I get home, am I able to hit the ground running and give my life away for my wife and my kids? When I take the time to actually till up the soil of my heart a little bit on my way home and just think, okay, think about the incredible grace that God has given me, the family that he's given me, um, the salvation that he has given me, And and I'm filled with gratitude. It enables me to be able to actually go and continue to like serve and give—not my family, like necessarily, like the leftovers, but the best of what I have. That's a really good place to start. Is just in your own home, serving my wife, serving my kids, and then serving my neighbors, serving the church, caring for others. And when I do that, I water. I'm actually being watered. The Bible says. When I'm caring for others, the Lord is actually caring for me. Now, let's take a look at this, this second parable, if you will. Verse 26. He said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and he rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. How? It's produced by itself. First the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe at once, he puts the sickle because the harvest has come. This parable is just really building off of the last parable. And the scattering of the seed is really the work of the kingdom of God. It takes faith. With seeds, you really have two choices. You can take the seeds you have, you can grind them up, and you can make bread. But soon... You will run out of seeds, and then you will starve, right? Or you take the seeds you have, and you throw them into the ground, and you sow them out there, and eventually, hopefully, you will have a harvest. Um, Jesus here is painting another picture for us. He's inviting you in. Um, It's a picture of a farmer who throws the seeds on the ground, and yet he does not know how the seeds grow. It's just faith. It's faith. Now, the farmer's job is not insignificant. He's going to have to do some stuff, till the ground possibly, maybe fertilize. He's going to have to sow the seeds, maybe water the seeds. But ultimately, he can't cause the seeds to grow. Verse 27 says, He sleeps and rises night and day, The seed sprouts and grows, yet he knows not how they grow. The earth produces it by itself. That little phrase there, um, produces by itself, is where we get the word automatically. Automatically. The earth automatically produces this. I see the emphasis here um, on the certainty of a harvest, On the certainty of a harvest. If sowing is done, there will be a harvest. If you sow your seeds, there will be a harvest. Just prior to this text, Jesus is teaching about the different soils of the human heart. And the seed of the gospel falling in to the good soil of the heart. And then it produces 30, 60, or 90. And of course, he ends that parable with, listen carefully, pay attention to what I'm saying. The point is, God is the one who brings the harvest. God is the one who brings the harvest of the seeds that you sow, the kingdom seeds. It is God who is at work in you, both to work and to will for his good pleasure, according to Philippians. It is he that is faithful if he began a good work in you to complete it, that there's a day coming soon where you're going to stand in front of Christ. Are you looking forward to that day? It's called the beatific vision where you're going to stand and you're going to look into the eyes of Jesus. And in a moment, you're going to be changed. And you're going to be like him. And then finally, 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 you get to be who you really are. Without sin. Without all the brokenness. I am so looking forward to that day. But God is the one who's going to do this. He is the one when you by faith sow your kingdom seeds, he will bring about this harvest it's beautiful the point is God is the one who does it as you sow these seeds God works in your own heart there will be a harvest the harvest is not up to you this is the transforming work of the Holy Spirit as you just faithfully move forward to say not mine and you just kind of start giving away That's a promise from God to you. He's a promise keeper. (laughs) He's so incredibly faithful. So it works on a personal level, but it also works with other people when you sow the gospel. You know, you've heard the phrase, like, um, where you can show the gospel, like, through your actions. Well, can you? In some ways... But in some ways, the message of the gospel is a message that sin and brokenness and depravity is in the world. And God saw this, and through a great infinite cost to himself, he sends his perfect son to come into the world. And which is amazing, here it is Christmas time. And when I think about Christmas, I always wonder, and I just think like, if if it was up to you, like you are going to like battle Satan and sin and death and hell and deal with all of the sin in the world? Would you send a baby? I don't think, you think you send an army. But God sends a baby and it works. The baby doesn't stay a baby. He grows up and he lives a substitutionary life. In you, Christ lives for you. Fulfills all of the law in every way. All of the righteousness in every way. And then he goes to a cross And there, he dies as a substitute for you. Jesus dies on the cross to pay for all of your sin and shame and guilt. And then he doesn't stay there. He goes into the grave. On the third day, he ascends to the Father. And now he's ruling and reigning over all of creation. And right now, he's actively rescuing the world through his church. Like, that's a message. I don't know how you're going to just show somebody that by actions. Like, it has to be said at some point. And that's a seed that you sow, and then it lands in the heart of this person, and then God is faithful to bring about a harvest as you do so. You just sow it, you just put it out there. Now, finally, this also means that the kingdom of God is growing in the scriptures even say that the gospel is always growing and bearing fruit but the gospel is growing the kingdom of god is growing and it's inevitable that jesus came at the first advent he's going to come again at the second advent he's going to make everything right and we are going to rule and reign with him forever that is a foregone conclusion that is the hope of heaven that we have he will rule with us and he will reign with us and he will walk with us Now, lastly, we have the parable of the mustard seed. Verse 30. And he said, "...with what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? It's like a grain of mustard seed, which is sown on the ground, is the smallest of all of the seeds of the earth... Yet, when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all of the garden plants, puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. Here, Jesus likens the kingdom to that of a plant. And what God is saying here, the emphasis I see, is a contrast between sizes. You have this very, very, very small seed, and you have this very, very, very large plant. The seed represents the smallness of the beginning of the kingdom of God and the immensity of the kingdom of God when it is completely done. Here, Jesus is the mustard seed. It starts through very small, one little baby, and then there's 12. Raised in obscurity, In this marginalized little town, Nazareth, he gets 12 guys around him. All 12 will eventually desert him. Doesn't really look like the beginning of a revolution at first, does it? But it was. And the surprise of the peril was what started so small has become so large. Now, in closing, I want to look at the last two verses. Because I felt this is the most probably the most important let's drill down for a moment. it says in verse thirty three with many such parables he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but in privately to his own disciples, he explains everything. so right here, for the tenth time. In chapter 4, Jesus tells them the importance of hearing. Okay, that's called the melodic line. If you're studying Scripture and you see one idea ten times in one chapter, it kind of tells you about what the chapter's about. <laughs> it's about hearing. Jesus, like paying attention, listen very carefully to what the Lord is saying. He speaks to them the word as they were able to hear. Parables both reveal and conceal a matter. And it's all depending on your ability to hear what Jesus is saying. Those that can hear gain understanding, but the understanding that they gain isn't to be kept inside. Jesus said it's like a lamp to be put on a stand. And then you give that away and Jesus gives you more understanding. The parables without Christ, like I said, remain like the backside of a needlepoint, just all kind of a mess, kind of knotted up. But hearing determines the person on the inside and the person on the outside. Does that make sense? The, the hearing of God determines a nameless face in the crowd Versus the one who's come in and has a relationship with Jesus and is discipled by him. Hearing is the all most important first step that leads to fellowship with Jesus, and there is um, that's where you find true understanding with the Lord. Listen to this again because I just for whatever reason this time of studying it this just stood out to me so clearly. Just listen. When Jesus was alone with his disciples, he explained everything. In case you didn't hear that. When Jesus was alone with his disciples, he explained everything. Are you picking up what I'm saying? Like, it's good to come to church. It's good to hear the word of God taught. But when you're alone with Jesus... He explains everything. Real fellowship with Jesus and real understanding of Jesus comes when you're in intimate relationship with him. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for our time this morning. We thank you that you have provided a way to come to know you And it's so beautiful, Lord, as this reality shows your desire. A desire to actually have this intimate, close relationship with us. That the God creator of the universe, the one who named every star and put it in its place, who created the world and everything that is in it, who saw the brokenness and sin and, and didn't just start over, but gave us a chance. You've come to us and you desire us, Lord, to, to dig and to come in and to be in your word and to be in relationship with you. I just want to pray right now, Lord, if there's anybody here that desires for the needlepoint to be turned over, that just really wants to know you, Lord, that you, by your spirit right now, would just draw them to yourself, that they may repent of their sin, accept you as Savior, and experience life, Lord, that they would come to know you in a very real way. And we thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen.